David, I love that candle you're burning. You seem to always have a great candle burning. I am very aware of how room smells. When you've spent over a decade with a 75 pound Labrador retriever and two teenage boys, you start to worry that your house smells like the inside of a gym bag. I would imagine so. You know what I wish we'd had for the last decade? What? That Puro Air Purifier we now own and use all the time. I love my Puro Air too. Did you know that indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? Yes, I lived with two teenage boys. I can 100% testify <laughs> to that. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Gases from a preteen boy? <laughs> I'm dreading when my nephews start making those gases. Just you wait. Thankfully, Puro Air uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. You wouldn't drink unfiltered tap water, so why would you breathe unfiltered air? Thanks to my Puro Air Purifier, I feel like I can breathe again. Check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. Check it out now. Hey friends, welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. And I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. We have two amazing friends with us that we're just losing our minds are here. Tell them a little bit about who's coming. Melanie Schenkel and Sophie Hudson met on the internet back in 2006. Melanie had a blog called Big Mama. Sophie had a blog called Boo Mama. And in 2007, they started a podcast called The Big Boo Cast. 16 years later, they're still recording weekly episodes where they talk and laugh about everything from college baseball to clothes to what's good on Netflix. Between the two of them, they've written 14 best-selling books. Melanie and her husband, Perry, live in San Antonio, and their daughter, Carolina, is a junior at Texas A&M. Sophie and her husband, David, live, live here in Birmingham, and their son, Alex, is a sophomore at Sanford. They're both currently working on new books, and when they're not cheering on the Aggies for Melanie or the Mississippi State Bulldogs for Sophie, they're probably at Anthropology, because close. We are so thrilled to get to have them here with us tonight. Y'all, come on out. Woo! <laughs> are the best. You too. Listen, we're so happy to be we're here. We're so happy. We're so here. happy. Your podcast that we did together, the four of us, is one of the most listened to and beloved of People all of our podcasts. Their mind. Yeah, lost oh, their minds because so they love you all. That's crazy to me. They'd stop us in so many cities, walking up the stairs of Daystar. I remember somebody saying, "You had my two favorite humans on your podcast." <laughs> well, it's because we have one child apiece, so <laughs> I mean, who has more parenting knowledge than us? Well, that's right? we're real experts. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're the real, real experts, experts here. 
Oh, I mean, yeah. So it stands to reason. <laughs> it is testimony that something good always happens when yes. we're with the two of you all. And so oh. we want to start by just tell us a story from all the years of writing together, recording together, being friends and travel together. Like, tell us some good stories. The first thing that came to my mind was... So Sophie and I have this sickness. We've traveled a lot of different places together. I'm from San Antonio, Texas, which is the home of Mexican food. But when you get me out, I'm always like, let's go get Mexican food. It doesn't matter where we are. Here's the thing. You don't need to go get Mexican food in Ohio. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's, it's only going to lead to disappointment um, and probably some Tums later on. We're, we're eternal optimists. Yeah, about and we're it. like, maybe, but one time we were at somewhere outside of Charlotte, North Carolina together, yes. and we were like, let's look for a Mexican place, and we found a place called El Raton, which translates to the rat. <laughs> they had a rat wearing a sombrero, and we still went there. Mm-hmm. We it didn't. was the worst experience. It was terrible. I've never seen more lettuce on a plate of I've nachos. I've never seen more lettuce yeah. involved in Mexican but to food. Me, Warm lettuce. It's delicious. Yeah. It yeah. stands as a, yeah. And to me, that's a testament to how optimistic we are that we continue, because anywhere we go, we continue to think, let's go get Mexican food. Yeah, for sure. It'll yeah. be great. Yeah. I, I, we went to Ecuador together in 2016, I don't know, years really, but we went to Ecuador together and Melanie gets car sick. And I don't know if y'all know this about Ecuador, but there is one, a lot of diesel fuel and there is, there are a lot of curves, a lot of curves, a lot of hills, a lot of, and so we were on a bus and we were literally driving from Quito, from the city, like to the, we were, we were going like in to the, to the, to river. the rainforest. Yeah, to, to the, the rainforest. And I'm going to tell y'all, Melanie got car sick, and you've never seen a person um, embrace a garbage bag <laughs> faster than, than mm-hmm. you. I mean, it was... It and was unfortunately, deep. remember, it was a clear garbage bag. It was bag. a clear garbage it bag. Real it was. unfortunate. It was. Real unfortunate. So uh, I always think of that when I think about Melanie and her delicate travel uh-huh. sensibilities. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you were so sick. I was so sick. Yeah, you really yeah. were. So... You say you're always hoping people gain from your words. I think it's so it's so kind that Sissy thinks we have goals, don't you? <laughs> That's so sweet. You think that we have a goal? Yeah. I think our thing has always been like. I mean, here's nobody's going to accuse us of being overly ambitious, y'all. We started our podcast in 2007, and we just got to 350 episodes. There were years where we literally recorded one episode, mainly because like my internet would quit working, and I was like, it's going to be hard to call AT and T, and I don't want to. I can't deal with that. But I think our thing has always been. That if we can make people find the lighter side of life, there's so much that's heavy out there and so much of what Sissy and David are talking about. I mean, there are a million and one things to feel anxious about and to be so worked up. And if we can kind of make people laugh or see the lighter side or just to take a minute to think about something that's not, you know, presidential elections or pandemics or whatever, then that's kind of what we want to do. We've always said we just we we want to give people just a chance to breathe. We just want to lighten loads a little bit whenever we can. So with a lot of grace and a lot of humor and you help us know Jesus better, all of those things. Life is hard and it's stressful. And so it's good to take some time just to laugh and talk about Netflix and to trash talk college football and stuff like that. It's important. (laughs) And I've just said that in a sanctuary, so I'll have to deal with the (laughs) Lord later about that. But anyway. Mission accomplished, ladies. Okay, in this season of the podcast, we're 
calling it ages and stages and we're moving through the stages of development, kind of who kids are and what they need. So we want to hear about your favorite stage of growing up and why, but first to illustrate the ages and stages season, we've got a photo we want to share folks of your growing Aww. up and, and if there's any explanation needed to go with that. Well, clearly I got in the rollers. I mean, I don't... <laughs> I was in second grade in that picture. I, I didn't have many teeth in that picture. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm closer now to being at the, the stage where I don't have teeth again. I don't know. But <laughs> I, that was my third grade picture. That was a red terry cloth dress, and I wore it with some yo-yos. I'm going to tell you, I never felt better about myself. Um, if you're not a kid of the 70s, you don't know that the yo-yos were a way to wear a high heel without really being a high heel, but you felt like a grown lady. Yeah. And in that picture, I felt like a grown lady. It's also, yeah. you can see a cowlick, which is the reason to this day, I always want bangs and then right. always grow them back out. And it's important to feel like a grown lady when you're eight, don't you yeah. think? <laughs> <laughs> really is. It really is. Yeah. It's appropriate. It's a good goal. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. David, did you get your taxes finished? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. Where did you get them? Thrive Market. Uh, how much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. <laughs> from pets to kids to grown-ups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? <laughs> a lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one -one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG thrivemarket.com slash rbg so any favorite stages of growing up or why i i love i mean I, 
my personality is kind of like, I kind of like wherever I am, but I loved being a teenager. Like I just, I loved, I loved my friends. I loved, I grew up in a, in a smaller town. Everybody knew everybody. It was just, I don't know. It was fun. I didn't have like a super like drama heavy set of teenage years. And then, I mean, that's, that's probably my favorite for sure. I would say when I was a teenager. Yeah, I think same, because I think when you're a teenager, I can look back and go, it wasn't all ideal, but you're so arrogant and confident (laughs) and just that really false way that I didn't know that things weren't great. And so, um, I really enjoyed that stage. I think I like the freedom that came with that stage. Like, getting my driver's license, like it was like, I am on top of the world now and nobody can tell me anything. I'm in this 1984 Buick Regal, nobody can tell me nothing. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what we were dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melanie, looking back, when do you feel like you see something of who you are today starting to emerge? Or what contributed even? I think I always, this is a pivotal memory for me, is in fourth grade, which if you're a teacher, this is a thing, is I remember that I wrote a story for my fourth grade class. I wrote like a short story. And I'm going to also tell y'all, and you're going to have to be a certain age to know who this is, but I used to, in the paper every morning, I used to read Irma Bombeck's column. Yes. Yes. Why I thought Irma Bombeck, y'all, she was a really funny writer um, who wrote about motherhood and all of that. Why I thought she was funny as a nine-year-old, I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, she is hilarious talking about that laundry and the carpool. I don't know. But I really loved her and I thought she was so funny. And I remember I wrote this story and my teacher had me come read it in front of the class and everybody laughed. And there was this moment in me where I was like, oh, this is a thing. Um, And I think that was, I can look back at that and go, that was a little glimmer of what God was going to do that seemed so insignificant, but was a thing. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I think mine... And I, I hadn't thought about this in a long time. I don't know what made me think about it recently, but when I was in high school, um, there was a local organization of business women called the Pilot Club. And there was a high school version of that called the Anchor Club. And I was in the Anchor Club and we had to go to the Pilot Club and we had to talk in front of the women to tell them everything that we'd been doing. And that was the first time I'd stood up in front of a group of adults and had to, to talk. And there was something about it. I was scared to death. And then when I did it, there was something about it that felt so natural to me. Wow. And I, I loved it. And I thought, this is weird how much I just enjoyed talking to all these women in their 50s. But I really <laughs> did enjoy it. And, and that proved to, to continue to be the case all through college and then, you know, as I got older. So Love it. Okay, Sophie, what would you say is something you needed from your parents or something your parents did that really made a difference? All right, I want to preface this by saying that I'm the youngest in my family. I'm the youngest child by 10 years. And then my sister is 14 years older than I am. So there's a part of me that says, by the time I came along, my parents were, they were real tired. They were so tired. <laughs> I mean, they thought they were done. They had a, a, a son who was in, going into fifth grade, and guess what? Hey, so, <laughs> so there was that. And it was also the 70s. And listen, y'all, we just, we were not precious in the 70s. I mean, we, we I, I rode my bike on a highway, you know, no helmet. <laughs> but I think that's, that's part of what 
I look back on it, I'm like, my parents, listen, they had no agenda where I was concerned. Mm. They weren't trying to craft a reputation through me. They weren't living vicariously through me. Like, they were just content to let me run around in the front yard in my one-piece swimsuit and do cartwheels. They didn't, you know, they just, <laughs> they were not, there, there was, there's a level of intensity now to parenting. It just fell all the way out, Melanie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really been a struggle it's really been a struggle um so there um y'all bought it today at the pants store I felt real good about it and I just (laughs) anyway all that to say um they just they let me be me and they weren't trying to shape me into something that was, I was in no way really a reflection of them other than the fact that they had certain expectations about how I was supposed to treat people. But other than that, it's pretty much just, you know, I, I, did, I didn't feel any pressure as a kid at all, like none. And that's kind of remarkable now having been a parent, you know, that I just didn't feel any pressure at all. I love that. Um, so is it my turn? Um, I think for me, I kind of, it's funny, I was just kind of telling y'all backstage. I think my childhood was very um, traumatic, feels like a hard, feels harsh. Yeah, well, um, but my parents got divorced when I was eight. Um, so I think one of the things I will say that with my dad, um, he never failed to keep showing up. And I think that there again, that was in the 70s and I think it would have been so easy. I don't think I appreciated until I got older or how easy it would have been for him to check out and how many um, dads I watched check out. But the fact that he continued to show up even when it wasn't always easy and he had to navigate a lot of landmines and the fact that like now I look back and I'm like, my dad literally called me every night of my life until I graduated from college. Like he just always stayed engaged. Um, And I can look back and go, man, there were a lot of reasons for that, but he he didn't check out. I mean, he stayed present and I think that was huge. Yeah, I, I would say that about my parents too. They were so consistent, like just steady. Golly, they were steady. They were not perfect, but they were steady. And I think all three of us knew that we could count on them, you know, and that's huge. That's huge for your kids to know that they can count on you, so. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available. Relieve sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. 
Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Okay, we asked them to raise their hands earlier for the ages of their kids, and there are a lot of parents in the room who have kids between birth and 12. So it makes me so excited for them to get to hear from you all in this next question. Like, what have you learned from transitioning from parenting kids who lived with you to supporting young adults who are college students now? What wisdom would you offer in that space? I mean, I think when I look back it's zero to 12. And I know it all feels, and I've, my husband and I have laughed because we've said this may be why God only gave us one child because I'm like, knowing what I know now, if we had another one, I'd be like, you don't need to play club sports. You're fine. You know, I would be like, this is a racket. We don't need to fly to Las Vegas for you to play soccer when you're 10. This is stupid. And, and I'm saying that as somebody who was in it, you know? She was in it. I was in it. <laughs> I may have created hype videos. I'm just saying. <laughs> she may have started her daughter's huddle account. I'm, I'm just saying. That's fair. That's uh-huh. fair. Uh-huh. But I think there were so many things I worried about that I look back now and go, man, that just had a way of working. It's, you know, when she didn't test for the gifted and talented program when she was in first grade, I thought, well, there goes her future. <laughs> We're done. She doesn't know her shapes. You know, like I, I just, there's so much stuff that I worried about that like it just works itself out. Like it just, and so much of it is as parents, we feel it so deeply. And then you realize that the kids are like, yeah, we're fine. I mean, I don't even remember that. You know, like now I'm like, do you remember when? She's like, no, I don't remember that. And I'm like, it was so traumatic for me. That there's so much stuff that I think if you could just take a deep breath and go, I'm going to try to keep perspective about this, that in the long run, it's not going to matter. And one of the things that I see now, like in this stage, and I think with raising an adult child is y'all, these, raising these kids, it is a marathon and it's not a sprint. And sometimes what we're wanting is their short-term happiness and their short-term success. And God is like, no, I'm a lot more interested in that we have a 25-year-old who's well-adjusted and ready to be a productive member of society. And the only way that we can do that is we have to start letting them go in increments. Like you've got to start letting them figure some stuff out and face some consequences and feel the squeeze and feel some pain because otherwise they get to college and they're not ready for that. And so I would just say, find ways where you can let go. An older friend had said to me when Caroline was little, she was like, just say yes to as much as you can say yes to. Mm -hmm. And so I really did. You know, when she wanted to color her hair hot pink in seventh grade, did I love it? Did it look terrible? Yes. But I was like, go for it. You know what? I'm not going to worry about hot pink hair. You just like pick your battles. So yeah. when I think Alex was probably maybe in first grade and I'd gone to the ENT and he was with me. And he had been having some allergy stuff. And anyway, so I was talking to a doctor about it. I was there for my appointment, but Alex was with me. And I said, you know, I'm a little concerned. Maybe he, he's got some kind of allergy going on. And he said, oh, okay, well, tell me about it. And I was telling him. And I said, it's just weird because I've never had anything like that. And he said, well, he's not you. Mm. Huh. And I thought, well, I don't know if I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't remember asking you. (laughs) 
Y'all, it was profound wow. for me. It was profound. Oh, he's not, oh, he's not me. I see. Oh, he's his own person. Okay. Got it. But it's so, I mean, and I would have said I was somebody as a parent who had pretty healthy boundaries because I was a teacher for a long time. So you kind of see a lot of stuff. Um, but man, that was like, got it. This person is separate from me. And you know it logically, but you sure do forget it. And it was a game changer for me in terms of parenting, that I was not raising myself. I was not raising a mini-me. You know, we like to say, there's a little mini-me. No, he's, he's just himself. So, um, and then there was one time when somebody told me, nobody wants to raise the eighth grade superstar. And I was like, oh. Because Great. we, you know, we think everybody wow. has got... Um, all their their major gifts figured out really by the time they're four. You know, I mean, whatever you're going to be a prodigy in, and certainly you're a prodigy in something because everybody's got a child who's a prodigy. That's four to five. You need to have that locked down so that so that the private coaches are lined up. Um, and so that that I think reminder that I was not trying to raise like David and I weren't trying to have an eighth grade superstar. We were trying to raise a person, like Melanie said, who at 25 knows who he is and, um, and who made him and what he's about and has the confidence to, to walk that out. So it's a long game for sure. And I would say, too, when they're little, you switch in a way from being like, you know, in charge of everything. And you kind of switch into coach mode, I think, about the time you get to sixth, seventh grade. And that's a transition, too. Well, we love to talk about food, you know. Yes. And so we would love to hear about a meal that either defined your family growing up or that you feel like will define your kids growing up. Do you remember when we had Caroline on the podcast and you asked her, you asked her this, what her favorite meal was, and she said frozen tater tots? Remember? Yeah. It was the Alexia potato That's puffs. Right. That's right. Yeah. I didn't mean to. It was the potato puffs because we're a sophisticated household. We don't just have Orida. They're the Alexia potato puffs. The Alexia puffs. potato puffs. <laughs> yes. And in that moment, I thought, why am I even trying? Like, why, if that's her favorite meal, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Um, I think for me, my dad's side of the family is Sicilian. And so I think about my defining meal growing up is that my my grandmother on that side, my mama did Sunday spaghetti every Sunday. You went to her house and that's what you had. And she put it on the stove starting about six in the morning and it would cook. And then we would all eat. And that meal to me is still just like my defining like comfort food yeah. meal. So, and she took that recipe to her grave. So wow. I can come close, but I don't know how to make it like she did. So. I think with us, because my mama was a great cook, my daddy always had a huge garden. And so in the summers especially, that's what, it was always fresh vegetables, always. And so I think as a, as a mom, I, I always wanted to have a kid who liked vegetables. I know that sounds weird, but like we just loved them growing up. So that's probably the, the favorite thing is if I just cook a bunch of vegetables and um, it doesn't hurt if I fry some chicken, you know, usually that's, that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, I just home cooking in general, I think, is, has been something we've enjoyed. Love it. Did you love today's episode? If so, would you mind sharing it with a friend? Send a quick text or email 
with the link to the show. Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls. 